morning, everyone. Um, God is so faithful. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. And this is we sang those things. Pardon for sin, the peace that endureth. Lord, only your presence to cheer, to guide strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings, all mine, ten thousand besides. Everything that you do for us, Lord, is all by your, by your grace. You're faithful, Lord God. And, and your mercies are new every morning. And all those things that we sang are, are true. Your name is beautiful. Your name is powerful, Lord. And, um, and this morning, Lord, I thank you that we get to gather and remind one another of that, remind our own hearts of those things, Lord. Um, and as we gather around your word, I pray that we will find more and more of your grace. That's what we need, Lord. Your grace to enable us to live the life that you've called us to. Your grace to save us. Your grace to sanctify us. Your grace to carry us on to the end. Your grace to bring us hope when we need it. Your grace to bring us forgiveness when we need it. It's all, it's all your grace. It's all this gift that you want to lavish on us because you love us. And um, I pray that we just have hearts to receive of that this morning, even as we, we spend time in your word, which is your grace to us, Lord, your gift, Lord. Just, just your desire this morning, Lord. Your desire every morning is to impart your mercies to us, Lord. To pull us into relationship with you, Lord. To heal, to restore, to conform us, to make us more and more like Jesus day after day until we go to be in glory forever. Oh, Lord, these are our great, our great hopes, Lord. And um, just in your word this morning, Lord, I just commit this time, this, this next 20, 30 minutes, um, to your will, to what you want to happen would happen, what you want to be heard would be heard, what you want, what you want to produce in our lives would be be produced and so we just open our hearts our minds our lives to that lord even our expectancy to that that's, that's what you would want to do lord we bless you thank you for your grace jesus amen um so this morning i'm going to share some um some thoughts with you on prayer you know usually we preach from the bible project and in the bible project right now we just read through matthew and we're into hebrews but um the thing that's really been sticking out in my life over the past while has been it's been working its way out, you know. So we read, I read in Matthew about two or three weeks ago, this Sermon on the Mount again. I know last time I spoke, I spoke about righteousness from there. But from, from inside there, I want to speak about, about prayer. And I know it's a couple of weeks delayed, but it's, it's also a couple of weeks that this has actually been, been lived, out in my, <laughs> lived out in my life, that I feel I have something to, to, to share about from it. Um, prayer is difficult, yeah, for most of us. Like to have a like a healthy. If I asked you, look, what's your habit of what's your habit of prayer? Maybe some people some people gravitate towards it. Yeah, some people are, are good at it. But for most of us, we find it hard. You maybe try and bow your head and you just you just draw a blank. Do you know what I mean? Just like what? Yeah, how's it going, Jesus? What's? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Or you bow your head and you're overwhelmed by the million things. Then you start to pray for. You realise, praying for what's going on in my life, then you realise what's happening in your family, what's happening on your road, you realise what's happening in the world. You can be, you can be overwhelmed. We can have them. Um, you can have this mix going on of, um, of big things happening, like whatever that siren is responding to, or like the, the war in Ukraine, or Stephen was telling me this morning something terrible happened in Tala last night that's just like, like breaking, and you're like, well, like, pray for that stuff, and then you have stuff that's going on in a sore finger right now. Like, do I... Do I pray for that? How do, I, how do I balance the two of them? And it can just be, it can just be like, a, we don't know where to go with it, you know? Um, and that's, in, that's even in private. There's just this battle in our mind. You ever, anyone ever sit down to pray and your to-do list comes to mind? Things you have to do. Like, oh, just, there's just this, 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 this distraction that's around. Um, and then, like, to pray in public um, is daunting for a lot of us, yeah? To get up and, and pray in front of people. You have that moment at the end of an old Kenny sermon where he's like, put your hand on the person beside you and, 
and pray for them and you get a twist in your gut and you get like like panic and your palms are sweaty and all that sort of stuff and uh, and you're like you feel like oh, like they're going to think I'm a dope when whatever when I have that person beside me I don't have the words I can't pray like like the way those other people pray I fell I fell in love with Liberty Church like attending prayer meetings in the early days we used to well, I've talked about it before but a guy called Scotty had a flat in Fatima. He stood up in Fatima and like jammed into a space on the side of that stage, right? Every single member of the church, like, 20 or 30 of us, whatever it was at the time. And, uh, and for a couple of years, I attended that every Thursday night intercession, we call it. And for a couple of years, I left there supercharged at the end of it, right? Great space of faith to be in. People are praying these, like, these prayers, like passionate and like loud and articulate and poetic. And like, it's like this, you know, the speech of Braveheart before everyone like runs down the hill, right? That's the way that like some people in that space, John Hyland, like Noel, like other guys around could pray in that way. And it would feel incredible, right? Leave there feeling supercharged. But for two or three years that I was going to those, those meetings, I didn't open my mouth once. Because um, I can't, I can't pray like that, you know? I can't, I can't compete with that. Probably even telling something about my heart, the fact that I thought I needed to compete with with that, but that's, a, that's another sermon. Um, but uh, like, I, can't, I can't do that, you know? Can I have like, those people like, praying like that and then, and then me just saying something else? I can't. If you gave me a day, or a couple of days, or a few hours even, maybe I could write a prayer like that and then maybe speak it out that way. But just just felt intimidated by, by that kind of environment. I don't think I actually prayed out loud in a prayer meeting until I came out here to Pastor Bray and I was leading the prayer meeting. And there's like two or three of us in the space, and I'm like, why don't pray? It's going to be a quiet night. And there'll be like three of us sitting here in an awkward silence, right, for an hour and a half, like until. And, uh, and even though, even in that, right, I found some boldness to, to pray out, but it also came with an associated pressure, associated to like, I don't know, to be able to lead this space, or to be able to speak in a way that encourages people, or, you know, just this, 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 this pressure that came alongside with it. So that's like praying in public. And so, in our private lives, distraction in public, it's like, it's like difficult to know how to do that, particularly in a space where we're Pentecostals, yeah, and you've got people who are like professional prayers. Um, but I want you to imagine for a second that, that you hadn't ever experienced any of that, right? And that you're coming to prayer, and imagine a blank slate, and you hear Jesus say what we're about to read from the Sermon on the Mount. And so you let your impression of what prayer could look like and should look like be shaped by the words of your saviour um, at another point where this same passage is, is, is said in Luke it's, it's in response to like somebody coming and asking him the disciples coming and asking him how, how should we pray they obviously see the power that happens in prayer they see Jesus praying and then doing miracles they see, they see the, the connection between them they see him praying and then like speaking to the, 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 the sea and it's calm you know speaking to the storm and speaking to the dead and the rise like and so they're asking him how to pray and so we have these words right so imagine blank slate none of that pressure none of that like experience even of like not knowing what to say um, and you hear this, these words from Jesus right so he says when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for uh, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly I tell you they have received their reward before when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward and when you pray, do not keep on battling their pains, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like that. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. And the next one, he continues on. He says, So when you pray, uh, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, 
holy in the name, your kingdom come, your will be done, be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and give us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Imagine you're hearing that for the first time. Your impression of prayer would probably be that it's quite, it's quite simple. Yeah, that it's not, it's not all that difficult. That it's not about being able to speak in front of people. Um, it's not about being able to be eloquent. It's not about trying to convince others or look good in front of, in front of others. They're having the, the right words to impress the people around you. It's not even about, like he says, don't be like the pagans babbling on thinking God is going to hear them because they have loads of words. It's not even about trying to impress God or convince God that he should answer your prayers. In fact, he says, at the end of it, he's like, your father knows what you need before you even, before you even ask him. Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Does that not prompt the obvious question, well then, why do I need to ask him? If he, if he knows, if he already knows what I need, why doesn't he just uh, provide it? Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Yeah, we, we sing about it. So why do we why do we need to ask? And the answer is simple. The answer is this: is because God wants to draw you into a relationship with Him, where you can know that when He answers your prayers, it's because you've asked. Where you can know that when provision comes and deliverance comes and protection comes and uh, freedom from sin comes, because you've asked, that you can know that that's 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 Him who 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 gave it to you. He wants you to know that it's Him. It's him who answered. So everyone knows that, that this is how Jesus tells us how to pray, right? But, um, but then we must not, I don't know, we must not believe it, right? So I know that scripture. You know, we all know that scripture. If, in fact, if there's, one, if there's one scripture that you know off by heart, it's that. You might even know it in, in Irish. You know, we learn it all in, in school. You know, it, you know it off by heart. Yet, when it comes to prayer, something must come in and say, no, there needs to be more to it than that. You know what I mean? There needs to be more to it than have the right words or I have to have, to have my life right beforehand or, or something that just gets in gets in the way but really guys it's just that uh, it's just that simple and if we grasp how simple it is and just put it into practice to begin to just pray like this then we'll see that it's a life changing a life changing practice and so over the past couple of months the Lord has, has kept bringing me back to this prayer and um and he didn't do it as a launching pad even when I was reading it. He did it as I was like, I'm right each morning as I get to spend time with the Lord. He's brought me into that season by his grace, right? Not, not patting myself on the back saying, I'm great spending time with the Lord in the morning. He brought me to a place where I realized if I don't do that, I'm stuffed, right? And so I do that. <laughs> and in, in the space, he releases his mercies that are new every morning. And I'll be struggling writing down something that's going on in my life, something that I'm struggling with, some temptation, some sin, some pattern that's going on in my mind, some, something that I realize is still there. And in the weeks after reading about this prayer, um, I found that nearly every, in fact, everything that, that I began to like, seek the Lord about, everything that he was beginning to do in his life, traced back to some line that was in, traced back to some line that was in this prayer. And traced it back in a way that the solution to, to those things, here's what I would usually do, right? I usually figure stuff out, right? So I'm like, here's what's going on in my heart, or here's what's going on in my life, and I write down the ways that I might solve the problem. So I get to the issue and I figure out what's happening, and then I try and figure out how to, to fix it, right? So, and you can figure out how to fix a lot of things, you know, well, I'll do this, I'll do that. It like works into religion, or works into, into like more striving, or more like trying harder. And then I realized in this prayer that the answer to all of those things that I was that I'm actually facing in life, wanting to live for God, wanting to overcome sin, wanting to, wanting to, 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 to follow Jesus. 
The answer of it all isn't in more striving. But in this prayer we see that the answer to it all is in asking. Asking God to do it. That's huge. I hope, hope the weight of it can come across. Because that's a game changer, right? If you find that that's your pattern, figuring out stuff that's going wrong, and the Lord brings something up in your life, and you know you need to deal with it, and your, your, your default is, now go and, go and figure it out, go and, go and try harder at it, go and do it. But instead, God is inviting us by his grace and to see that thing that you need. I've told you to ask me for that thing. That thing you want to happen in your life, I want to do it by, by my grace. That his grace is the way that anything actually changes in our lives. And all we need to do is, is avail of it. You're struggling with temptation in this prayer. You've got deliver us from evil. Struggling with sin. You've got forgive me. Struggling with relationships. You've got as we forgive those who trespass against us. Struggling with identity or self-worth. You've got the opening lines of our Father. Struggling with knowing what to do. You've got lead me not into temptation. Struggling with worry or anxiety. You've got give us this day our daily bread. Trusting in God the provider. Struggling with the tendency to want my own way and to go after my own stuff and to turn away from God. I've got the, the, the great prayer. Lord your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my kingdom come. Not my will be done. That daily prayer of, of surrender. And all of it is about pulling us into a relationship with the Lord. I'm probably not going to, to tell you anything this morning that you don't, you don't already know as we look at what the promises are in this prayer. But, but knowing it isn't enough. I've known, I've known all that stuff. I've, you know it all. It's like I've heard it before. I've heard it a million times every Sunday, day in, day out. Like it's, you're, you're immersed in it. It's not about knowing it. It's about knowing, it's about knowing Him. It's about knowing that the way that that actually is worked out in your life the way that that actually becomes a reality is not just striving to do it. It's not just knowing the head knowledge, but it's coming to the Lord in humility if he humbles us enough and asking him that, would you do that? Would you do that in my life? The fact that those things exist in a prayer form, God is telling you how to pray. God is telling you, here's the things I want you to ask me for. Here's the things I want you to trust me for. We could respond to that invitation and ask him to do by grace in our lives. Knowing it just isn't enough. It's about receiving of his grace. Knowing, like, how many of us, right, even as Christians, know that God forgives and then walk around feeling like low-level guilt. Like, just constantly there in the back, back of your head or your heart. I know, I believe that God forgives, yeah, but I walk around feeling guilty. Or know that he can provide and yet walk around in anxiety or fear about not having enough. How many of us know that God loves us yet can walk around like struggling, maybe feeling worthless, feeling down in ourselves. How many of us know that God can direct us but walk around like, what's my purpose? What am I, what am I at? What's, what's this life about? So knowing, knowing the stuff doesn't do anything. Knowing the point of knowing the stuff is to point us to the one who it's, who it's about. And that's why prayer is so important. That's why he pulls us into prayer because it pulls you into relationship. It's not just, Rob, you know God is your provider and I'm trying not to worry about, do you see the difference between trying not to worry about, provide, about his provision and coming to him and saying, give me today my daily bread? Do you see this? It's, it's, it's a subtle difference, right? But it's a, world, it's a world apart. Like knowing God loves me, right? And yet struggling with self-worth and trying to tell yourself, well, Rob, well, God loves you. You know what I mean? Or try to feel better about yourself because here's what God thinks. Or instead, but God isn't, God isn't in that mix. Instead, stepping into the presence of God and, and praying, my Father who's in heaven. Like you're my Father who's in heaven. Praying those words in relationship, speaking to him, not just about him, not just in abstract thought, but, but in relationship. That's what, that's what prayer is. And it's simple, right? We're going to go through it kind of piece by piece, right? But not in any way to, 
to complicate it, not in any way to say, like we need to you make it more complicated than it is, but just by some way to maybe expand um, what it means in each line. Some of the things that, my prayer was this this morning, I was praying for you, that the Holy Spirit would use it to like, just have moments of revelation that, that this is something that God wants from me. Day after day after day, yeah? Great is your faithfulness, oh God my Father. Like day, like morning by morning, new mercies, I see. That God would, God would want that for you. So Father, as we spend time just looking at those, these words, um, would you do that by the power of your Holy Spirit? Just will us, pull us into, pull us into dependence on you. Show us where, whatever it is that, that takes us away from that and, and makes us chase our own kingdoms and makes us try and figure it out ourselves and not avail of the, the awesomeness of who you are, Lord. Um, Holy Spirit, would you do that in our lives as we look, as we look at these words? So we just go through them piece by piece by piece, right? Our Father, we know, again, we know, head level, do you know in your heart that, that God has adopted you as his child? Talked about it, preached about it before, and the fatherhood of God, like it's the apex, like of all theology, but justifies us and sanctifies us like in Jesus, so that he can adopt us. He gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to cry out, Abba, Father, that there's that recognition between us and the Father. Like, and he opens the prayer, the way that you can relate to God with those two words, our, our Father. Not praying to God the boss, not just praying to God the Almighty, God the distant one, God the, the, the one out there hoping we can appease him, but, but praying to our Father, that Father is the Christian name for God. Not just Father as a metaphor, yeah, like a, the, 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 the creator of all things, but Father in a relational sense. Because of what Jesus has done, you've been adopted by God the Father as his, as his child. God loves you as his child. You've been born again into the family of God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, and everything in them calls you son, calls you, calls you daughter. And that's his heart towards you, that, the heart of a perfect father towards a child. And it's on that, that basis, that basis assured for us by the only son, Jesus, through his death and resurrection. It's on that basis of God's fatherhood that we can come to him for all the things that this prayer has provision, forgiveness, wisdom, direction protection they're all the things we need and they're all the things we should be able to look to a father for even if our own dads weren't like that and that's highly likely we know a father we know that a father should be like that yeah? like if you had a father that didn't provide well you know that that was wrong that he didn't provide well yeah? Why do we know that's wrong? Because we have something inbuilt into us that knows the goodness of the Father. If you have a Father that was bitter or wasn't forgiven, like, you might hold some resentment towards that. Why? Because you know that that was, that was wrong. A Father that wasn't, that wasn't given. A Father that didn't protect you or a Father that hurt you. You know that that was, you know that that was wrong. Because there's something inbuilt into us that searches for the perfect Father, this sense that we know what it is to be right, even if we don't live it out, even if our experience on earth hasn't been that, there's this longing for the Father. And this Jesus, who told us to pray like this, is extending this relationship for us to have that relationship with, with the Father. John opens his gospel who says this, those who did receive him, those who believed in his name, the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or of human decision or husband's will, but, but born of God as a gift of his grace. Church, God is your father. You don't come to him to, uh, to beg. You don't come for him to try and peace. You don't have to come sideways, Adam. I was like, just 
prepping a bit this morning, I was reminded how, like, I'm raising Penny, and sometimes I have to correct her, right? Like, she's getting bold, she'll ask, she will ask for what she wants now, but there was times that she was growing up, you'd be walking in a toy shop or something, and she'd just kind of like, you know, like, come up alongside you and be like, showing you this thing, but like, afraid to ask, you know what I mean? Or trying to, you know that manipulation that just comes in kids somehow anyway, do you know what I mean? I love you, Daddy, isn't this toy great, do you know what I mean? Like, just... Like, like hoping that then we'll ask, well, do you want that, you know? And just trying to teach her, and you ask for what, for what you want. And as best as I can, my response will be in love as to, to what we want to provide. But we could be like that, I think. We're going to try and manipulate. I've gone to church extra well this week. I've only gone for a month. Lord, will you do? Or, you know, I've prayed well, I've worshipped well. No, Lord, will you provide for this? We see it as some sort of transactional. We need to butter him up. We need to ask him. Maybe we're shaped by our earthly fathers in that way. But God is the perfect father. He's the father who's in heaven. I had a dad who was a mixture of, taught me to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. And then was also capable of going on month-long vendors on the drink and destroying relationships, right? Like that. Good and bad, that's, that's in us all. But I have a perfect, a perfect earthly, a perfect heavenly father. And at my lowest point, actually, when I lost my mom and dad and went away to, to be with the Lord, he revealed to me his fatherhood. And he convinced me that he was better than, than my mom or dad had been. Feeling sorry for myself for having lost them. Feeling like the loss of all of that stuff that they could be. And he showed me that he'd always been my father. That he'd always been there for me. But that it was for me to step into the revelation, the understanding, the, the faith that receives from that. Because God is your father. He's not withholding from you. That he's your perfect, holy father. And he delights in answering your prayers. He's not fed up with you. He's not annoyed with you. He's not off in some other headspace like the can be and you're trying to come and ask and they're doing something else too busy. He delights. It's him who through his son said, here's how I want you to pray. He delights in answering these prayers that we would bring to him. Like his pleasure is in providing. His pleasure is in delivering. His pleasure is in protecting. That he wants you in relationship. That's why he gives us this, this prayer. So when you pray, remember that. Speak it out. Speak those words out loud. Our Father... Father in heaven, let it permeate your soul. Let it shape what's to what's to come. When something else comes to your mind, like, like no, like confront that with. But I'm praying to my, I'm praying to my Father. I'm not trying to appease Him. I'm not trying to earn His favor. I have it. He delights in me. He delights in, in giving what I need. Second, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a huge, a huge prayer, right? The kingdom of God is massive. Jesus went about proclaiming the kingdom of God. That's the, the gospel. He spoke from the gospel of the kingdom of God. That the king is coming. The king is here. That things are going to change. All of that stuff that's going on in the world that breaks our hearts and, and, and might even cause us to despair. And look at this confusion, the hurt, all that stuff that's happening. There's another kingdom that's coming. There's, a, there's another one whose will has to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's a prayer of, of positioning our hearts each day. Because every day, you and I choose between competing kingdoms. You can choose to try and be the king and live in your own kingdom, live life by your own terms, go after your own stuff, provide for yourself. Even, you know later when Jesus says, don't worry about what you're, what you're going to have, what you eat or drink. He says, but what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's like, because if you're living in your own kingdom rather than seeking the kingdom of God, then you, it's necessary for you to worry about what you're going to have and what you're going to, 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 to need and what's, what you're going to wear and all the things that the world chases after. He's like, but you belong to a different, you belong to a different kingdom. And when you seek that kingdom, it takes that, that pressure off you. 
of living for the kingdom of yourself. It'll free your heart from those idols that just build you up to tear you, to tear you apart. When you want to establish yourself as king or live in the kingdom of the world, there's a daily prayer to say, I'm surrendering to not seek that kingdom, but to seek your kingdom. Listen to this from um, the devotional that I've, um, from Paul Tripp, the one that New Morning Mercy. So if you haven't got a copy, guys, go and get a copy. Um, like, but um, during the week, he, he, he wrote this about, about this, these competing kingdoms. He said, Somehow, someway, your little kingdom will look very attractive to you today. But it's the very kingdom from which grace works unrelentingly to rescue you. The Bible is really a story of kingdoms in conflict. And that battle rages on the field of your heart. It rages for control of your soul. The two kingdoms in conflict cannot live in peace with one another. There will never be a truce. There's no safety, militarized zone where you can live. Each kingdom demands your loyalty and your worship. Each kingdom promises you life. One kingdom leads you to the king of kings. The other sets you up as king. The big kingdom wants to dethrone you and decimate your little kingdom of one while the little kingdom seduces you with promises it cannot deliver. The big kingdom of glory and grace is gorgeous from every perspective but it doesn't always look that way to you. The little kingdom is deceptive and dark but at points it appears to you as beautiful and life-giving. You either pray that God's kingdom will come and that his will will be done or you work to make sure that your will and your way will win the day. That's the reality of life that we live in daily. In my heart, I'm either going after my own stuff, trying to carve out my own identity, trying to gain and pull approval from people, or like, like achieve stuff to satisfy my soul. All the relentless, just kind of restless stuff that life can look, at, look like, which is just the fruit of me trying to build my own kingdom. Or I get to pray each day, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. It's a surrender of my kingdom. It's a surrender of my will to his, to his, that takes our free will and says, Lord, your will be done. And that's powerful. That pray from the heart with consistency, that'll shape you more than you can imagine, church. It's like the launch pad into a kingdom that's being established that will last for all eternity. It's like an invitation into something bigger than we can imagine. It's a request to God to destroy those things that compete for his kingship over our lives and for him to set himself up as king. It's a, it's a, it's a world-defining world prayer. Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then, give us today our daily bread. Church, I want you to know that, uh, that God is the perfect provider. Your Father in heaven will provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory. That he will supply everything that you need. Remember that he provides. Amen? We were, we were praying together at elders during the week and after Bernard had been out in, in Faster Road talking to some of the community leaders there and they spoke about some of the fear that's in particularly the old, the old folk in or around Faster Road like with just the, you know, the winter coming up and fuel prices and food prices, everything going up except wages, yeah? And so there's like, there's like little and people genuinely afraid am I going to have to make this choice between food and fuel, you know? Between being warm and having a, a full belly. And... Uh, and it's just in the world right now, like, you read, if you read the media, it's, look, like just, it's almost like we're talking ourselves into, 
into this like worry about what's coming. Like it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We start talking about like stuff is gonna happen, going bad, and then what happens? It goes bad. It's like we're preparing ourselves from it. And some of it is maybe realism with people projecting and seeing where it's coming, but some of it is also just trying to sell newspapers and knowing that fear sells and fear provokes and it gets people in. And then we speak ourselves into this into this place. Like and accept that stuff as as coming. And it's easy, very easy, as a Christian to get to get sucked into worry and anxiety, fear and not having enough hearing all this stuff and then being like, should I be, I wasn't worried, but now I read this, should I be worried? Do you know what I mean? Like, is, I'm like, is this is bad stuff going to happen? And I found ourselves praying just for you to know, and you should know, like, who, do you know who your father is? Do you know that he provides? And we spoke this, I just want you, I'm going to read two scriptures and I want you to receive, to receive them. One is Psalm 23 and the other is from later in this same, in this same scripture after he's talked about here's how to pray. He speaks about don't worry about tomorrow and I feel there's something powerful in not just me speaking out what I think the Word of God says, but speaking out the actual words over our lives and receiving them. So receive this. If your mind has been drifting into worry, if your mind's been drifting into anxiety or fear about what's to come, here's what it says in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever cup overflows. I felt as we were praying that the Lord was going to bring us, bring you and us to a place of, of overflowing. Not just materially but, but spiritually. Have you ever lived in a cycle of going like from, from full to empty? It's like you're full and then you're emptied and you feel like you need to fill yourself up again. Bernard will tell you we were praying this week and I felt just the way, I was praying something for Noel I prayed it out loud and I prayed this I prayed, he was going out to minister like at a funeral that day. He's had two or three funerals in the past while. And I was praying that he wouldn't just like minister out and say being filled up and he's going out to be emptied, but that he would minister out of the overflow. Yeah? You're ministering out of the overflow of stuff. Stuff flows out of it, and then at the end of what happens, you're still full. Yeah? It's just like ministering out of the It's not this cycle of like being emptied and down and then needing to be filled up again, but, uh, but, but streams of living water being released into your life that you would minister out of, of fullness. And I feel that in the, even, even in provision, I feel that the Lord is going to bring us into a place. And this is again a prayer we were praying on Friday morning, where you not just have everything that you need, but that the Lord provides for you to be a blessing to other people. And I'm not a prosperity preacher, right? I'm not like, put your money in the offering, you'll get a trip to Disneyland. I mean, that like, bull that kind of goes on, the transactional, do this and God will do that. But I believe that God has placed us on earth as his ambassadors. I believe, we've spoken out, yeah, that our job is, is to reflect the glory of the Lord. Who is God? God is the provider. God is the good. God is the one who provides all our needs. And I believe that God will bless you to the extent that you can meet the needs of those people around you. And it came in a funny way. I was listening to Spirit Radio. Patrice had it on the car. I was driving her car somewhere. I don't usually listen to it. And there was this song, the corniest song in the world, like this, like, I don't know, Appalachian Mountains banjo kind of music, right? And it was like, the, the lyrics were like, bless me, bless me, bless me, Lord, indeed. And I thought, it's a bit of a self-centered thing. But then the last line was like, so that all, those around me will have all they need. And uh, I said, man, what a prayer. What a prayer. It was a small expectation even we can have in our lives, just even for the Lord to provide for 
what we have, but when we pray, what's that give us this day our daily bread? Praying, praying in community. You see, you see, in the book of Acts, no one among them had any need because those around them stole their possessions, stole the stuff that, that people meant more to them than, than stuff. That they recognized if I have a resource and you have a need, then it's not that I have a resource and you have a need, it's that we have a resource and we have a need. Are you with me? And that then we get to live as ambassadors out into the world. And I believe that the Lord will bless you to the extent we're in these days, if we're going into days of, 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 of little in the world sense, that you're able to bless your neighbors, you're able to bless your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're able to meet those needs as a reflection of who, of who God is. That will be a platform to show the glory of God to, to people around you. Let me just speak these, these words over you then. If you find yourself in this space of anxiety or worry, um, these words that Jesus said, Jesus, your Savior, Jesus, the one who's told you to pray this way, Jesus, the one who loves you, Jesus, your hope, Jesus, the one who's been given the name above all names, spoke, spoke these things and would speak it to you this morning. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do you hear that? Of what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body or what you'll wear, is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You're not worth much more than them. You're not more valuable than them. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed as one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, it's here today and tomorrow it's thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you little faith. So do not worry saying, what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? Or, the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The Lord will give you what you need each day. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a picture of the manna in the wilderness. Remember that story? God provides the stuff comes up from the dew of the ground and they collect just what they need in the, in the day. Trust that it'll be there again tomorrow. That's the way God wants to be in your life. Why? He doesn't want to like, just give you some big bank balance where then you just like, I can flow through with no dependency on the, on the Lord. He wants you to recognize your provision comes daily. And it's not to keep you poor or it's not to keep you on a short leash or whatever. It's to keep you in relationship. You with me? It's to keep you like coming to him. It's to keep you recognizing you're the one who gives me my daily bread. You're the one who gives me what I need. And more than just that provision, that spiritual life, that spiritual bread. Jesus says, on the bread of life. It's like when we just shared in communion and broken. Stuff that you need in your heart. He's the provider of that day after day. So we believe that and we receive it. Then he says, forgive us our trespasses and we forgive those who trespass against us. This align. Just, just again, in this prayer, just praying out loud, forgive us our trespasses. About being reconciled to God. Forgive us, uh, as we forgive those who trespass against us, about being reconciled to in the important relationships in our lives, the people who are around. But that stuff matters to God and he wants to enable you to forgive and to be forgiven. He wants to forgive you. See those things, here's the opposite of what happens, right? It happened in my life. Sin comes in, and then sin keeps us from, from praying. But what if you knew, what if you knew in your heart that, that God not only will forgive you, right? If you went to pray, but God wants to forgive you. Like his desire is to forgive you. He said, he's put this in this day, he's not surprised. 
It's in this daily prayer, yeah? Forgive us our trespasses. Assuming that since the last time you prayed it yesterday, there's going to be some trespasses, yeah? There's going to be some ways that you've, you've messed up. But yeah, instead, what do we allow guilt and condemnation to come in? Now I can't go, I can't go, I can't pray to the Lord until I fix that for a while, live my life right for a bit, and then I feel good enough. God, God wants to forgive your sin. His desire is to forgive your sin. He gave his only son so that it was possible to forgive your sin. He's done everything to say, see when you fail, here's what I want you to do. Turn to me and ask, you to, ask me to forgive you. John 1, 8, 10 to, John 1, 1, 8 to 10 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. God's great desire, pulling us in, is not to live in a space of denial, not to live in a space of our own vindication before we turn to him, but daily to come to him. It delights him. He's telling you, here's how to pray each day. Just bring your sins to me. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever it's been in the past day, week, month, since you last confessed, like, just bring it to me because I'm faithful and I'm just and I want to forgive your sin. I want to bring you into righteousness. I realised recently that that's not, that's not what I do with my sins. I, I, I tend to I sin, and then, I've said this before, but it's a recurring pattern in my life. I sin, and then I tend to distance myself from God. Or I sin, and I throw myself into work, I throw myself into stuff. I can do all the Christian stuff, right, but, but intimacy, relationship isn't there. So it's just functional with, with, with God. Um, and it's functional because that's my job. There's stuff that I still have to do, right? But your job might take you into a space where there's nothing got to do with God whatsoever. In sin, and it could be just like down, and just God is over on the shelf over there, and I feel good enough again, or when longer time has passed, and I've kind of forgot about the seriousness of what's going on in my heart, I can turn to him. But it's like there's a whole load of good stuff left unsaid. And how does that work in a relationship? Man, imagine you're, you and your spouse, you and your best friend, say something, hurt one another in one way, and then you just leave it unsaid. You know, you don't see each other for a while and then you see each other. And it's still there, you know what I mean? Maybe it's pretend it's not there. Maybe it's, you, 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 you kind of can get on with it or ignore it for a while. But next time something happens, guess, guess it gets added to the, to the fire, you know? And it's like that cycle that happens with sin. It goes, it goes unconfessed. It goes unbrought to the Lord. And then when we sin again, we feel the weight of it even heavier. Because now it's added to the pile that's, that's been there. But God is faithful and just pen spoke to me this week. I was in Sunday school or somewhere anyway, somebody was teaching her. Um, maybe it was, she's reading the Bible with Patrice in the morning. But she liked to talk about Jesus removing our sins from us as far as the east is from the west, about him forgetting our sins. And just as a kid, she was like, in awe of that. She was like, he forgets it. Like, when we don't confess it, we hold on to it and we don't forget it. And then it gets added up. It's like heavy on us. And it can just pull you out of relationship with the Lord. But daily, it's like, I want you to come. And ask, I want, why? Because I don't want us at arm's length. I want us, I want us close. I don't want that stuff in between us. Like, just confess it and I'll forgive you. I'm faithful, just faithful to forgive. Like, he doesn't give up on, on forgiveness. He doesn't say, no, now is enough, is enough. Every day, come and confess. And his enabling grace will, 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 will enable us to live a different life. That we learn to esteem his grace. Remember, we spoke about that when, uh, when we confess our sins. And then, Forgive those who trespass against us, right? That's the one part of the prayer that, that maybe we're tempted to skip. It's the one part of the prayer that actually asks something of us. The rest is like kind of requesting something of God. But I think we need to realize that even though it's phrased in that way where it's asking something of us, it doesn't step then outside of the bounds of the grace of God. What it's saying is God's invitation to you to say, I will grace you to be able to forgive people around you. 
I will give you the grace to be able to forgive people. Again, daily. And we're not living for weeks, months, years, whole lifetimes with this bitterness, this twist, this thing that's, that's robbing us when we think of people, or the space in our head goes to. But daily, I will enable you to forgive. Can I encourage you, when you come to that line in the prayer, don't just skip it if you're not ready to forgive. Instead, ask the Lord, I need your grace to be able to even forgive. I need your grace to be able even to want to, to forgive. That's what this prayer is. It's not about jumping in our own strength, yeah? It's about availing of what God wants to do in your life. The same Jesus who's being crucified for people and his words out of his mouth, our Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Because he's feeling the whiplashes, feeling the, 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 the holes through his wrists and his, his ankles. And he's being crucified. Father, forgive them. That's the Jesus who lives, who lives in you. That's the Jesus who will enable you to, to forgive. I'm telling you, more than counselling or psychotherapy or religion or your own effort or reason or logic, could convince you that forgiveness is a good thing to do, like for your own sake, above that stands a father whose desire is to conform you to the image of his son day after day, and whose desire it is to enable you to forgive, to want it, and to do it. And then finally, finish on this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus gives our sins, and then his invitation to us is, would you let me lead you and will you let me deliver you? He forgives our sin and then he extends this offer. If you ask me, I'll lead you in ways that help you avoid temptation. Lead us not into temptation. And deliver us from evil. How many people have you ever found yourself just stuck in the cycle of sin, shame, self-effort to fix it, then failure again, shame, self-effort, fail again, shame, self-effort, fail again, Shame, self-effort, and just going around, going around the loop. Here's the out. Here's the way out of that loop that we ask, we ask for God to lead us. To lead us into places. What did we pray in Psalm, Psalm 23? Knows my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my souls. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. His great desire is to lead you in paths of righteousness. To have new cycles of righteousness in your life. That God would direct you, and not just a place of resistant temptation when we're in the way of temptation, but he would lead you to walk in new paths of righteousness. Why? For the sake of his name, for his delight, for his glory, for the sake of like his name amongst people. God wants to do in your work, make you like a demonstration of his grace to the world around you. He wants to lead you into new cycles, not of uh, sin and shame and self-effort, but cycles of revelation and worship and change in your life, and then further revelation, and worship, and there's grace, and there's more change in your life, and then there's further revelation, and there's more worship, and there's more grace, and there's change in your life. That's what I said, we preached a few weeks back, and it is in Corinthians, we with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. As we behold God, there's the cycle, one degree of glory to another. Faces unveiled, hearts exposed before the Lord, we see more of the greatness of who he is, and he's moving us on, and moving us on. I believe that for you, church. I believe that for me, that those old cycles, sin, shame, self-effort, sin, shame, self-effort, failure, self-effort, failure, self-effort, that they're broken when we just cry to the Lord, lead, lead me. When you're willing to just be led. I heard somebody say recently, I can't remember who it was, I give them credit, but that we, trust, we trust Google Maps more than the Lord to lead us. I put Google Maps into my phone, like I want to get to Tullamore when I leave here, and they tell me, take a left. I just take the left. I, I like somehow believing that all of the things will tie together until I get to, to where I'm going, yeah? And that but we don't trust the Lord to just say the Lord's saying, take a left, go this, go this way. Somehow we want to know the end for the beginning, or we want to get there ourselves, or we want to write our own map. But daily, it's this invitation, Lord, will you lead me? 
Will you lead me today? Don't lead me into temptation. Will you lead me today? There was one who was led into temptation on your behalf. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He overcame the devil. That same Jesus lives in you. God's desire isn't to lead you into temptation, but to lead you in paths of righteousness. Will you ask him to lead you? Will you follow him? Daily pattern of praying. And then the last one is, but deliver us from evil. Again, just this hits to humility, this hits to our own pride. Do you know that you need a deliverer? You need, you need a deliverer. We want to be our own saviour. want to figure it out ourselves. want to be like, here's what I'm going to do to figure it out. But you find yourself in cycles. You find yourself pinned up like against the wall by the enemy. Stuck in some cycle of mental behaviour that keeps you bound in the past. Some cycle of addiction that keeps you bound in the present. Some cycle of worry that keeps you bound towards the future. And you don't know the way out of it. We try and work our own way out of it. God says, here's what you can pray, deliver me from the evil one. You're not meant to deliver yourself. The deliverer speaks back again, Old Testament, Jesus taken, or the Lord taken the people who were in slavery in Egypt, taken them out to be his people. That the hand of God would reach in and take you out of where you're at, being mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever, relationally. He can deliver you. Take it out. He has the name above every name. It's the name the demons shudder at. It's the name that's been exalted above the name of the enemy. Deliver us from the evil one isn't about some equal battle between Jesus and the enemy, like it's give and take, and like it's like he's the deliverer, he's the name. The enemy is a created being, he's the creator, sustainer, name above all names, like of all of all things. And his invitation is, will you cry out to me every day? Will you say to me every day, deliver me from the evil one? Deliver me from the evil. I was reading a book by a guy, David Wilson, the other day. And uh, it's just a great book for like, a new Christian. And he said, like, this young girl like, got led to the Lord. And uh, he told her the story. You know, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone answers, like, we'll come in. And so she gave her life to the Lord. And then she had this, uh, this worry. She was like, well, what if then Satan comes knocking at my door? And then she answered her own question. She's like, I'll get Jesus to answer it. Because he's, <laughs> he's moved in, right? And it's like, this, this prayer... Like, deliver us, deliver us from evil. We need a deliverer. Deliverer takes something from where it is to where it's meant to be, yeah? That's what, that's what happens. And God wants us to rely on his, on his grace to do it. So guys, this is how, this is how we should pray. That's the, the invitation. It's the pattern, it's the practice that just put simply, like, encompasses everything that God wants for you. And it's as simple as this. My prayer for you, or my, my, the point of application, the point of obedience is, is we'll pray it together now. Get up on Monday morning and pray the Lord's Prayer. You already know it. You don't, you don't, you don't even need a Bible. You doesn't, like, just say it. Say out loud those lines. Let them be the first thing off your lips. Maybe the Lord leads you on a detour, revealing what sins you need to confess, what people you need to, to forgive. But in all of that, you just remember that I'm doing this by your grace. It's the humility of coming to the Lord and saying, I'm not the king, you're the king. You're my father, I'm not going to strive. You're the one who provides, like of recognizing. You're the one who, you're the one who protects, you're the one who guards, you're the one who delivers, you're the one who leads. You're the one who loves. There's nothing, nothing that we face in our life that this invitation in the presence of the Lord, that prayer is, can't produce in your life by his grace. Remember, when we, when we confess our need, when we confess our weakness before God, when we come and ask him for those things, we're teaching our hearts to esteem his grace. Teaching our hearts to receive on His grace. And I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, He'll take you out of the realms of self-effort, those cycles that just don't work. And His grace will be like abundant in your life. You'll see grace doing in your life with self-effort. Never could. 
as you ask the Lord for those things. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. Take that invitation into the presence of your Father. Take that, those words to him and allow him day by day to, to shape your life by his grace. And let's finish by just speaking that prayer out loud together, yeah? Bow your heads, stand whatever you want to do and we just speak it out loud. Yeah, even now my temptation, right, is to try and add something to it, but everything is in there. So let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.